And we are live. Happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Cassandra Lenore. This host thing is so funny to me. Okay, co-host, host, host no, what are you going to call yourself? Introduce yourself. I'm Dana. I'm not a host. I'm not. I'm Dana. Dana Kyle, if you will. I cannot wait until you walk into it fully, friend. So I think I just saw that we are live. Um, if you want to share. Show. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So thank you guys for joining us. We're gonna give you guys a few seconds to log in and enter into our show. Today's topic and discussion, I'm super excited about. Because we will officially be releasing the title of what God has given us to call these recordings. And then afterward, we will be going directly into a Q&A. So we have like one question that you guys can even start thinking on now. And then, well, once I share it, we have one question. And then once we release this question, you guys can start dropping in. You guys can start dropping in um, your answers or any questions that you may have based off of the questions that we pose to you. And um, yeah, it's going to be a good time in, in God. So I will pray us in and then we will get started. Dear God, thank you for being the sovereign God that you are. Thank you for being our Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher of our faith. God, you are King of kings and you are Lord of lords, and there is none like you. There is none higher than you. There is only one beside you, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this space. We say that you can think through our minds and speak through our lips and give us the tongue of the learn so that God is glorified. Lord, let there be none of me, none of Dana, none of Cassandra, and only you and your presence and your Holy Spirit flowing through us. So let this be a fun conversation. Let it be a fruitful conversation and prepare the hearts and the minds of each and every listener, whether they are live or watching the rebroadcast. I thank you for all these things and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, drum roll, please. Do you want to release it? No. Okay. See, that's why I love because we are just a perfect balance. Like, I am here. Dana's here. But all right, so um, I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of background. So our official name of these conversations, oh shoot. Well, our official name of our talks is Covenant Conversations. And I am super in love with that. Um, so basically while while we were having these live streams, of course it was birthed out of the pandemic. We just felt like there was a need for us to be more present, to pour into our peers, but just people in general in the body of Christ and kingdom. And so God just called us to start going live to encourage the people once a week. So we humbled ourselves, we obeyed, we started seeking his face and doing it and enjoyed it. Like we loved how people would engage. We loved um, the conversations that were birthed from it. We loved to receive people's feedback and even them sharing how it had helped them. So what we started asking each other and even ourselves, like, yo, what are we doing with this? Where is it going? What is the vision? And so as we discussed more and more, I was like, well, we need a name. And we started throwing out, well, on a few weeks ago, we threw out a Thursday thing and we loved it. We fell in love. We was like, yo, this is a Thursday thing. We're going to keep it on Thursdays. And people even started referring to it as a Thursday thing. And then afterwards, me and Dana were in a text conversation. And I remembered that I had a, a friend, her and her husband host something, although it's an actual gathering in person here in New York. It was called a Tuesday thing. And I was like, oh, no wonder Thursday thing that just rolled off of my tongue so like flawlessly or effortlessly. And so I didn't want, um, I guess I wanted something or we wanted to have something that was more unique to us. Not as if we were biting, even though it was unintentionally, we kind of was going back and forth. Like, should we move forward with it? Should I just ask her, like, is, she, is it okay if we use it or what? And as we discussed more and more, Dana, um, we were just throwing out ideas and Dana came up with, what, Dana, was it you? Because I know that you were also getting feedback from your friends. Okay. 
I thought you was texting in the group text to see what people were thought about. My cousin was giving me stuff, but I didn't mention anything that she gave me because. So no, it was me. So it was you. So yes. Dana text and was like a covenant con a covenant conversations. I said, "Oh my gosh, I love it." And what was mine? Do you remember what my? <laughs> Never mind. I remember what mine was. And Dana could not stand it. I thought it was so cute and a play on words. Um, but yeah, it was whack. And this was this was <laughs> this was the thing that God had in store for us. And um ever since Dana texted me covenant conversations and we did like a mini internal vote with between friends and everything, that God has been proving himself and confirming and showing just how much or just why he gave Dana the title for this to be covenant conversations because we are indeed in the covenant. And so I really just want to start off today explaining actually what a covenant is. And then we will go right into the Q and a because we do want today's conversation to be um, conversational or, um, and so instead of having a topic like we normally do, we really just wanted to open up the floor for people to be able to ask questions. So the question that we are proposing or posing to you all is if you can ask anything pertaining to God or faith, what would it be? And so I just wanted to throw that question out there right now. So while we talk about covenant, you guys can be thinking like, yo, if I could ask any question, like what would I want answered? And then we'll be asking, I mean, we'll be answering those. And I put it on my Instagram earlier today. And also we, myself and Dana sent it out to some friends um, and we gathered some questions from them as well. So after we answer your questions, we'll be sure to answer those um, if time allots. Dana, you have anything specific you want to say before I start? Talking about covenant, or what does covenant mean to you, Dana? I just said you could start. <laughs> I don't have my glasses on. Oh my Jesus! Okay, a covenant. When I hear the word covenant, I think of multiple things. One, I'm a lawyer, so I think about covenants that are attached to houses. But basically, that's some form of contract that says you can or cannot do this, that, and the third, or what you can and cannot do with the property. And so it's basically some kind of binding agreement. And then, of course, as a Christian, or not then first usually, but when applying that in Christianity, I obviously think of the old covenant and the new covenant. Mm -hmm. And the old covenant uh, being the Mosaic covenant and the new covenant obviously coming through Jesus Christ and how we live under the new covenant. That's what I then think of. And basically, as I think of it in the same concept I do as a covenant in the legal realm, that is some kind of binding agreement, some kind of binding oath that's uh, a little deeper than a promise because there's some kind of like, I don't know, when I think of covenant, I think of like some kind of, I think of like, okay, I'm also like a sci-fi fantasy nerd okay. when I watch in terms of like my entertainment. So like I'm a Harry Potter buff, Charmed is one of my favorite TV shows. And when I think of the oaths they made in like Harry Potter and the Charmed, it always involves either like blood or some like form of tying. So in like um, Harry Potter, Snape made an oath or a covenant over um, Draco Malfoy. And in the movie, he act, it was actually like visually seen as him bonding their, tying their hands together in some kind of bondage so that they were bound by it. And in Charmed, whenever they made oaths, it always uh, was the three of them cutting their hands and then putting the blood to show some kind of sealing of it. So, and I obviously applied, I just use that for the visuals. And so when I think of the new covenant, I think of like blood, obviously the blood Jesus shed and some kind of bond, binding um, that is deeper than a promise saying, I promise I'm gonna do this because God does give promises and say that he's going to do things. But then when he makes a covenant, it's usually deeper than just a promise. It's some blood attached, it's some bondage attached, it's some cutting of your foreskin attached, it's, you know, it's deeper. So I think of um, bonding and sealing and blood and an oath when I think of covenant and that it has to involve, it has to bring God into it. Like there's different covenants. There's covenant between man and man and covenant between God and man. And when two men make a covenant, you have to bring God into it for it to be more than just a promise. Mm -hmm. That's good. And that's really good because while I was studying and preparing for today, I was like looking at um, the word covenant, the definition of covenant in the Hebrew. And although I cannot like pronounce it, um, 
if we spell it out, it's K-A-R-A-T-H, and it means to cut. So for you, like literally the definition of covenant means to cut. And I thought that that was just such an amazing illustration because, and so when we think about like covenant conversations or even covenant relationships and in meaning to cut, nobody's like wants to be in a relationship that's cutting them or hurting them. And so immediately that made me think of the scripture Proverbs. I think it's 2717. I know I wrote it down. Yes, 2717. And it says as iron sharpened iron, so, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And a lot of times we think that, I mean, we use that. I feel like we use that saying or that scripture, like iron sharpens iron. We It's just like another like church saying that we say all the time, not realizing like, yo, iron sharpening iron. Like there, those are two things that are cutting each other. Right. And so it doesn't always feel good. And so when I think about why God had us to just personally for me and um, Dana, can share if she feels led to the background or where that, if it just dropped in her head or whatever. But when I think about what a covenant conversation with Dana looks like to me or why I feel like God gave her that title for our conversations is because of how we began because of our foundational truths of our friendship. So we met, we spoke about this in the first time that we ever went live. We met, at coach um we shared an office we were working in the corporate office um the headquarters of coach here in new york city and we were working and we shared an office and we just started having conversations with each other and i look back on i don't even know if we were in that office together for a year before dana left and went to law school but god used that time and that office as such a found to build such a foundation where we were literally having these spiritual conversations watching T.D. Jake's Breakfast Club, like doing all stuff that we should have been doing our work for. But I look back because Dana was leading a Bible study on Tuesday and she was speaking to answering somebody's question. And she gave the illustration about or shared with them about how she got to the conclusion of. I don't even remember what the actual conversation was, but I know that she one thing that she said in the video was like, and I was in the office with Cassandra and I brought it back and I said it to Cassandra and then we talked it through. And I started thinking like, yo, me and Dana had so many conversations. We never hung outside of work. We didn't travel. We didn't text. We didn't have phone calls. Like literally our whole relationship, the whole foundation of our friendship is based on conversations that began in the coach office. And it wasn't even until after she left. And I feel like we still didn't even hang then. We were probably touch base with each other here and there but it wasn't until we both accidentally ended up in Atlanta at the same time and like linked up there that we hung out with each other together outside of coach and I realized like yo I got the, I call this girl like my bestie bestie before testies like I call this girl one of my closest friends and we share a lot of the most intricate details we come to each other and confide in one another and it's all based off of conversations that we had in a less than a 12 month time span. And so I think that that was just so important because these conversations weren't just always positive, like, oh, I'm pouring or oh, girl, I love what you're doing in conversations. These were we had difficult conversations with one another. We had conversations that. I guess you could say like the hard conversations or the tough conversations and kept it real with one another. And sometimes it hurt. Sometimes it didn't feel good. Sometimes we didn't want to hear it. Sometimes it involved tears. Sometimes it involved like yelling. But at the end of the day, we knew that it was for our good. Even if we didn't want to be receptive initially or at that exact moment, we knew that what the other person was saying wasn't to harm us or wasn't to be malicious or wasn't to break us down, but ultimately they were being truthful and being spirit led to build us up. We used to hang out at movement before Atlanta, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, movement. I'm glad that you remember that movement. is like this Friday night, um, Friday night service at Brooklyn Tabernacle. And they used to have services from 19 through 20 for 19 through 29 year olds. Look, then. Thank you, girl. <laughs> Thanks, Coco. All right. So I just really want to give a little bit of background on like where the name came from. It came from Dana's brilliant mind, um, inspired by God, spoken by Dana. Oh, title of a book. And um, 
Yeah. And so we run it with it and I love it. And we're gonna release our logo and everything today. Again. We oh wait, we not. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh yeah, girl. We might as well. We didn't release the name. So um that's the only thing that I wanted to say about covenants. Um so we can begin with the questions. Do you guys have any questions for us pertaining to faith, pertaining to God um, that you would like us to answer? And so while you guys are typing those in, we can get started based off of the questions that people sent to us. You just posted a, a question. Oh, did I? You don't even know what you're doing, bro. Yeah, I do. Oh, that's good. <laughs> When at our lowest and we feel alone, how do we recover or build our faith? That is good. You want to go, Dana? Why do you keep doing that? You can go ahead. Okay. I'm just being courteous. Oh, that's cute. Thank you. When we're feeling at our lowest, how do we recover and build our faith? I know one of the things that when I feel like I'm at my lowest, um, I definitely pray. I definitely force myself to fast. I definitely um, read my Bible. I worship. Um, I listen to sermons. I think that those are all like the biblical tactics that we can take in order to rebuild our faith and recover when feeling low, when feeling disappointed, whether it's by God or by man. I know that those are certain things that we can do. But outside of those things, one of the biggest things that I'm currently learning in this season is that I don't have to suffer in silence and I don't have to face these things or challenges on my own. Um, I have learned that I'm, I guess I'm so used to just going to God or just experiencing things on my own or even confiding in my mom that I didn't realize just how intentional and deliberate that God is when he surrounds you by with like-minded people or with accountability partner or with covenant relationships. And so a lot of times where I'm thinking like, okay, I'm just trying to surrender it over to God, or I'm just trying to lean into God now realizing, and I say this all the time on these live streams, like I really believe that people give, I mean, I really believe that uh, plumbers use pipes, electricians use wires, but God uses people. And so while it, yes, I am supposed to go to God, I believe that that's so that he can then send that person or instruct me on, instruct me on whom I should disclose or reveal certain things to so that they can then either confirm what it is that he has already spoken to me or give, give me a word of encouragement or instruction. Like that's why we are supposed to seek and consult wise counsel. So whereas in Matthew 6, 33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God. So I do wholeheartedly and truly believe that we should be seeking God first. Um, after that, I don't think that there is an issue with sharing with, of course, like be spirit led and be very discerning with who you share what to, but sharing things with people so that, again, like with the covenant conversations and covenant relationships so that they can be spirit led and lead you to your breakthrough or give you some encouragement. Or even if they just are a listening ear while you're venting it out, like a lot of times that that is a release and a relief that can then help you to become encouraged to move forward. Or even like I've called Dana and poured out my heart to her or told her things that I had been battling with for so long, not even realizing that even in just telling her, even if she didn't have the answers for me, she would just pray. And her prayers would be so spirit led that I would either, either be receiving the answer or receiving the encouragement or receiving the instructions while we are praying or after she would finish praying, she would say something like, okay, well, I hear God saying, or I believe that the spirit is instructing me to say this thing to you. So in addition to, like I said, praying, fasting, seeking God, reading your word, listening to worship, going to sermons, like consult wise counsel and go to people who are trusted advisors or peers that you know you at the end of the day, People give opinions and God gives answers. So you know that going to this person, they won't only give their opinion or their advice, but a spirit-led answer. All right. Yes, she is. Hi, Jazz. What do I do? Me and you. All right. So the next question is, I had a 
Okay, I just want to say one thing about that too. That one, um, depending on how low you are, sometimes we have to check in with our um, reality, and the reality is you may be facing a little bit more than a low moment. And there are certain mental illnesses and um, things out there that may require a little bit more than just seeking wise counsel. And that wise counsel can also be a therapist. So I think if you don't feel comfortable talking to anyone or um, you don't think you have anyone in your circle who can help or that is wise, I know when I'm feeling low, most of the time I go to my pastor. And if you don't have that, maybe that wise counsel can be a professional. So let's not exclude all. Um, things that God's given us, because God's give, also given us therapists in addition to wise counsel. So for the people that may not have wise counsel, maybe seeking a professional to help you through a low moment that might be more than just um, a spiritual low moment. Like there are such things as chemical imbalances. So certain things, discerning what it is. Like I know sometimes when I'm going through a low moment, sometimes it, I know it's a spiritual low moment and I can do the things that Cassandra said. But sometimes if it feels deeper than that, or if it feels like it might be more than that, consider if you need more than just um, talking it out with wise counsel in terms of like a pastor or a friend. Maybe you need professional insight to help you through whatever, because some things are deeper and we don't even realize it. Mm. That's it. Okay. I typed in the question so that you guys can know. This is our topic of the day. <laughs> um, and moving forward, we'll probably go, go back to our topical discussions, but we feel like this would be a great way to open up with, again, our new series, or I don't know what to call it. Dana don't want us to be hosts, even though I think it's a show, but our live streams are entitled Covenant Conversations. So we thought that a lot of our conversations um, back in that coach office really did begin with us asking each other a question or sharing like, girl, I had a dream last night and then helping one another to interpret that dream or it just like it began. A lot of times it began with questions that we had that got then I believe I personally believe based off of my experience that when you ask a question or you're you are in need of something it places a demand on the oil or it places a demand on the anointing and it draws the spirit out of us so when you guys are asking us these questions or when you're engaging with us or when you're conversing like when you're just speaking back or responding to anything that we're saying um it helps the oh not helps the holy spirit but it helps us to lean into what the holy spirit is trying to speak through us or speak to you so ask away, guys. So one of the questions that one of my friends um, proposed, and I see that you live, so if you don't feel led to say it, say it I, will, I will. You were okay. on the spot. Oh, well, because I told them to share it if they feel, if they feel comfortable. So um, one of my friends said, um, why do I worry so much when God always comes through? Cause that's flesh, like still made of flesh, and it's natural. And certain God may have came through with one thing, but then this next situation is something bigger. So you think just because he came through on a little, your own doubt might creep in and say he's not gonna come through on the bigger. So for instance, for me, I've seen God come through in a whole bunch of things, and but then something bigger will present itself, something more impossible, and then I'll be like. I can't come through with that, but that's because I'm putting my flesh into it and trying to wrap my natural mind around something that I can't under my natural mind can't understand. And like for instance, when I was on a plane one day coming back from Atlanta with my boyfriend, this evangelist wound up sitting next to us, and it was so funny because me and Mike, my boyfriend, were praying like just a prayer, you know, right before the plane takes off, like a prayer of covering and protection, transportation, whatever. And as soon as we finished, the woman like peeks over and she was like, well, y'all just praying? Are y'all Christians? I'm an evangelist. And then we just had this whole conversation and she wound up prophesying and saying all these things. The one thing she said was ask God for the impossible. And so that was two years ago now. And I find myself now wanting to ask God for the impossible, but then hesitating to do so because I doubt he can do it because in my mind, it seems impossible. But we know that the, the, um, the Bible says that uh, with man, things are impossible, with, but with God, all things are possible. And 
my flesh still wants to go to that man part because that's all my natural mind can wrap around is like with man this is impossible but i keep i guess forgetting or doubting that with god all things are possible and sometimes we'll even get the confirmation like god will give us the promise and we'll still doubt i had that happen to me when i was um studying for the bar to become a lawyer and I had two points of confirmation where God told me directly that we passed. And then one of my friends who's a Christian came to me in the midst of waiting because you take the bar in July, but you don't get the results until October. So the day that we took the last, it's a two day exam. The second day of the exam, all of us went out to celebrate just the accomplishment of finishing the exam. That same day that I finished the exam, that second day, my friend who's a Christian, hey Misha, she came to me and was like, girl, I had a dream. I said, what happened? She said, we passed. I said, what? She said, God told me in the dream specifically that me and you passed. So I was resting on that. Like, all right, we should like me and we should knew each other for three years. And I knew she was a Christian. And I knew her connection with God. So I knew this was like, this was God. And so I had to rest. Like I had a straight, not only did I have like, God had gave me confirmation in myself, but then God just literally spoke to me through someone and told me like, this is the truth. This is your promise. And still between July and August, there was times when I doubted. And when I doubted, I went back to that promise and I stood there and was like, nah, you told me I, you told me I passed. But then the day that the results is coming out, that entire day, like they tell you the, in the morning, but they don't come out till 4 p.m. in the afternoon. That day I found myself doubting again. Even though right before that, I was like, I'm standing on God's promise. I'm standing on God's promise. And so from like 8 a.m. when they told us till 4 p.m., I was still doubting. And then I just had to come to a conscious decision to slay my flesh and stand on God's promise and to stand on God's word. So if you have something that God literally gave you a promise for, so you have something to stand on, whether it be through someone like verbally telling you through something in your spirit or through something in the Bible, because God will also confirm his promises in, the, in his word. If you have something, you just really have to stand on it and slay your own mind, slay your own flesh and say, no, I'm standing on what God told me. So throughout that day, when I was worrying, when it would get to be too much, like, of course, it's going to bubble a little bit. But when it became too much, but I knew it was like filling my mind. I was like, no, I'm standing on God's promise. And I, I would repeat what Misha told me. And I would repeat what God told me in my spirit. And then 4 p.m. came and my name was on that list. And then I cried because I felt bad for doubting God. And I had to repent. It was like, God, I'm sorry that I ever doubted. When you told me on the day that I took the exam, you told me. Like, it wasn't like I had to wait a month in between before he gave me his promise. He told me the day I finished my exam that I, was, I passed. So I had to repent and say, God, I'm sorry for doubting, even in the little times that I did doubt. But when no, when so don't feel bad when that doubt arises because it is natural. But then slay that doubt, slay that flesh, and stand on God's promise. Because if you're doubting something, is God probably already gave you the answer, the confirmation, the promise, or whatever. So go back and stand on that. Or if He hasn't given it to you, seek the answer, seek the promise, or seek God's word and find a scripture that you can stand on that will um speak to you and be that rock for you because God is your rock. So I had people who like, or I've heard testimonies in my church where a person was um, diagnosed with cancer and they went and found a scripture for themselves. And the scripture was, I will live and not die. And they stood on that. So anytime doubt arose while they're battling cancer, they repeated that scripture, I will live and not die. And they're living to this day. So it's natural. Don't feel bad. But when it comes, slay it with the word, slay it with the promise, slay it with your praise, because sometimes you gotta praise your way through, get out too. And then repent afterwards. Yeah. One of the two of the th biggest things that stood out to me that, of what you said was um, you made the decision to slay your flesh. So it started with a decision. And then you made the decision to stand on what God had said. And you started, like anytime the enemy would attack your mind or those thoughts would arise again, you would speak against it, like, no, nah, I'm gonna stand on what God said. So I think that, like, for me, my three biggest takeaways, and she said a lot of great, a lot, a lot of great stuff. So I'm glad this is recorded. But my three biggest takeaways is like make the decision, right? Stand on the word of the promise, whether it's something that God specifically gave you or something that you have to seek out in the Bible or it's from a word from somebody else and then speak it confession. Cause we know that the power of, of life and death is in the tongue. That's Proverbs 18, 21. And so if you want to see a thing, you can speak a thing. And so I really believe that it all begins with the mindset. Like we hear people say all the time, like the mind is the battlefield. Um, at my church, we always speak about like when 
the scripture says in Ephesians 6 that before we wrestle not against flesh and blood, like the fiery darts that the enemy attacks us with are thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, right? So if he cannot touch our lives, he tries to attack us with doubt, knowing that the doubt can hinder our faith. And faith is just the uh, forward motion of moving forward. Like, of course, faith is believing, but it's also an action word. So it's to act as if it's already done. So if you're believing God for something, and I think another thing that Dana said was very profound, like some Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget what God did. Like one of my favorite songs is uh, by Ty Tribute. And it says it's entitled Same God. But in the song, he says, if he did it before, he can do it again. But in order for me to even get to the place like he can do it again, that means that I got to remember what he did before. And I got to remember what the Bible says. I got to remember that God is not a man that he shall lie. I got to remember that if I trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding that he will direct my path. Like I got to believe that if I ask, then I shall receive. If I seek, then it shall be. I mean, if I seek, then I shall find. If it not, then it shall be open. That's Matthew 7, 7. And then the first scripture that I quoted was Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. So all, what I'm saying is like, you got to consistently feed your faith to starve your doubt. And so the way that we overcome doubt, like Dana said, we're human. Like we're going to be faced with these different mindsets, these different thoughts, ideas, and suggestions from the enemy. We're going to be faced with doubt. Sometimes we are going to experience insecurity. Sometimes we are going to wonder if it's going to come to pass. But when we have those experiences, that's when we need to lean more into feeding our faith and starving our doubt. That's yeah, because um, one other thing I was going to say that you reminded me with just now, faith. When I was get, what I was getting to in the beginning is sometimes when you know we believe God in one realm and on one dimension, but then we face something bigger. We tend to think either He can't do it, and that's what I spoke on about you know things being impossible with um, man, but possible with God. But then also, like you said, we forget what He did on the smaller level when we get to that next level, and. One, you can remind yourself what God did in your own life, but then two, remind yourself what God did in the word. And so like there was times after the whole bar situation where I was doubting God to do something. And then I had to remember the whole bar situation. I was like, nah, God got me. Or it would be something small where I would doubt, let's say, if God loved me. I'll give this example. I would doubt if God loved me because, you know, we tend to think that we have to earn God's love knowing that we don't. And so then you'll do something bad and you feel unworthy. And then you'll doubt that God loves you because now you did something bad. So then I'll do something small. I'll test God with my faith because it says to test your faith or whatever. And I'll test God and I'll be like, so the other day I was working out and I was in a really low moment or a low, it was a low day. And I realized the week before that one thing that lifted my spirits was just sitting down, drinking my protein shake and watching Monk. And my protein shake, because I'm on this diet right now, was like my dessert. And Monk is one of my favorite TV shows. So this day now, I realized that like last week, like, oh, this is what helps lift my spirit. So then this day came and I was feeling low again. And I said to God, I said, God, can you put Monk on TV so I could watch it while I drink my protein shake so I'll feel happy again? And you know, as soon as I turned the TV on, what was on? Monk. And I was like, you love me, Jesus. Thank you. And so that helped build my faith. Like when I was down, if he loved me, he did that small thing by putting Monk on TV at one o'clock in the morning. And it just helps us, one, to when we test our faith, but then two, to remember. And it's natural for us to forget, like Cassandra said, because even if you look in the word, I just, my mom went to Hebrews 11, which is obviously a chapter on faith. But Hebrews 11, they go through all the testimony of the elders to help build our faith because it was kind of a way to remind us of what God has done in the past through testimony to help build our faith. So it's natural to forget, but we have to then remember and build our faith by hearing the word and reliving the testimonies so that, um, as Cassandra said, hearing the word helps to build our faith. So in Hebrews 11, they went through from like Abraham on down and relived the testimonies for those who forgot. Yeah. So it's natural to forget, but then when you forget, remind yourself either with your own um, testimony by testing God's faith or testing God in your faith or by going to the word. Yeah, that's good. All right. So another question. Oh, Lord. And we got one o'clock meeting. So yeah. do you have i know we got 15 minutes do you have any um out of the questions do you have anyone that you really want to touch on uh do you yeah. i have mine but since i was just talking the most you can go towards one that you wanted to answer that i wanted to answer okay 
Um, so I'm a I'm a combine number three and four. Okay, you can you can do that. No. <laughs> Yo, I'm gonna need the Holy Spirit backup friend. All right, so what someone said, how can I? So they were singing singing a song, and it says, "How can I? How can I love Jesus when I've never seen His face?" And I was like, "What song is this?" Um, <laughs> And so they asked, how can I love Jesus when I never seen his face? And then in parentheses, they put singing voice. And then their follow up question was how to how can or how to have faith when you're a person that needs something tangible to believe in. Woo, baby, this is heavy. So one of the biggest things is that faith, I believe personally, I believe that faith is a begins with a decision. Um, but it's also a belief system. So in order for me to like the question says, like, how can I love Jesus when I've never seen his faith? It's like you first have to believe that he's real. So a lot of people get caught up in the fact in in the fact of, OK, I know that he was real. I know that he was a man. Some people believe that he was a prophet, but they don't necessarily believe in the fact that he is the savior. And we cannot, I don't, I don't believe that there's anything that we can say or do to make you believe that Jesus died and rose again on the third day, because that's according to your faith. So that's according to your belief. This isn't something that was told to us. So we feel like we were obligated to believe in it. It was something that we have encountered and experienced God for ourselves. So whether we were raised up in a church or not, ultimately, when we got to that place, I'm going to just say of adulthood, where we were no longer forced to go to church, where we were no longer like it, it, it could have been a, because of those foundational truths that were sown into us by young kids. But I'm going to speak for me. I don't know about Dana's journey um, in its totality, but I'm going to speak to for me. And when I got to college, I had to make a decision if I was going to go to church. I had to make a decision if I was going to pray. I had to make a decision if I was going to read my Bible. I had to make a decision. Did I believe in God? Because for me, like, do, did I believe in God because I experienced or encountered him myself? Or did I believe in God because this was the God that was shown, that was taught to me, or this was the God that was pressed upon me, right? And so one of my biggest things that I, I see a lot of people doing, young and old, when they're questioning, like, if Jesus is real, is they never ask that question to God. I have yet, and I always ask them, like, have you asked God? Like, you know, have because a lot of people believe in God, but they question Jesus as the Savior. So I'm like, yo, have you asked God? And my my specific question or challenge to people is always like, ask God to sh if if Jesus Christ is His Son and the Savior to show to show you, let you let you have an encounter that reveals that Jesus is real. I don't know how many people really go back and do that or not. And people are always talking about like, I had a come to Jesus moment. And a lot of times their come to Jesus moment is filled with tragedy or triumph or triumph or not triumph, but tragedies or tests or trials that made them run to the cross or ran to run to faith. But I don't want people to have to go through something traumatic before they decide to believe that Jesus is real. When you can literally just pray that prayer and have a personal encounter with God. So when it comes to like, how can you, when it comes to the question, like, how can I love Jesus when I've never seen his face? I remember um, when I was in 2015, after I had released my first book from nothing to New York, um, I had a panel discussion at the release party in St. Louis and the host asked a question about my, she was like, you know, it's pretty evident that you got a relationship with God and Jesus. You know, how did your faith become so strong? And I remember I stopped literally on stage. I stopped. I had the mic and I like dropped the mic, like just dropped it, like put it on my lap. And then I was like, "Woo, girl, I love him. And so I just like started to talk about my relationship with him and like how I got to where I was and, you know, the different things that I went through or the different experiences and encounters that I had. And so I shared that story or whatever on stage. And it was like two days later. Um, some of my friends, I'm calling my hood friends, but some of my friends from the block, they came up to me and was like, yo, you was talking about that in it like he real. They said, we started looking around like they cursed. And they was like, we started looking around this MF like, where, where do that? Because obviously, like, he's here the way that she's talking about him. 
And so based off of my personal experiences and being able to communicate that with him, that ignited something in people who used to, who knew me back when to want to know, like, yo, who if if this girl like that passionate is that in love with somebody, like let me let me try to at least seek if he's real. So I think that when it comes to how can you love somebody or love something or somebody if you've never seen their face, I believe it begins with a personal relationship and encounter. Dana, anything you want to add? Can you let me wait? Let me reread the second half part of the question. Sorry. Um, the tangibility number four. Yeah. How to have faith when you're a person that needs something tangible to believe in. Um, that's hard because, yeah, what my aunt just said, that's my aunt. <laughs> <laughs> I figured out how to make best. I'm like, <laughs> they know people lie. Go ahead. I think you really do just have to pray and ask God to give you an experience that's tangible because Jesus died 2,000 years ago. You ain't going to touch the holes in his hand like Thomas. Like, the doubting Thomas. I don't like to use the word doubting, but that's how we refer to him in church, whatever, colloquially, whatever. The doubting Thomas, when the disciples told Thomas, like, oh, yo, Jesus rose from the dead. He was just eating with us. Thomas was like, I'm not going to believe it until I feel the holes in his hand and the piercing in his side. And then the next day, Jesus um, showed up just for Thomas and said, here, and allowed him to touch his the hole in his hand and the piercing in his side. You ain't going to get to be Thomas because Jesus is up in heaven. OK, you're not going to get that tangibility unless God decides to give it to you in some kind of experience. So you're going to have to pray and ask God to give that to you because otherwise, tangibly, you're not going to get what you're obviously seeking. And then that also just brings me back to Hebrews 11.1, 1, where it says, faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Faith is literally the unseen. So if you're trying to have faith in the seen, that's not faith. Yeah, because you don't have to believe for something that you can see. Yeah. If you can see it, then you don't got to, like Kuzana just said, you don't have to that's literally not faith. Yeah. So, yeah. Because if it's a belief system, then in order to believe for something that or believe for something, that means that you currently don't have it. Right? So you're believing by faith. Um, and then another thing about the tangible, like you definitely can have encounters with God where he's like, you just, just ask him. Like, just, I, I just really just challenge you, just ask him. Um, but then the second thing is like, how can I love when I've never seen his face? But, and again, I know that they was like singing and possibly joking around with that. But I know that there are a lot of people who don't even believe that Jesus was real. And he's in history books. So even if you don't believe he's the savior, like I'm going to speak for me. I was a sophomore in high school. I had literally just received salvation after my freshman year of high school. So I had to be about 15 years old. I was in my social studies class and we were, we were, I was in world, world history and Coach Brown was my teacher for all those from Hayeswood East. And this man was like teaching whatever we were talking about. And he was like, and then JC. And so he's like, I, he's like yelling JC, like being extra, at the, uh, just being extra. And I'm like reading. I was like, and it said literally Jesus Christ in my world history, social studies book. So I rolled my hand because, you know, I'm new to the faith. I'm like super baby Christian, like just now going to church every Sunday and everything. And so I raised my hand. I said, is this like Jesus Christ in the Bible? He was like, yes. And I tell y'all from that day, I have never doubted if he was real. And it was, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it was something like, oh, no, I ain't like, there is no doubt in my mind. Like, do he not only in my Bible, which requires my faith, which requires a belief system, but he in my school books in social studies, oh, he real. Like, and so a lot of times they question if he's even real. Yeah, like, yo, he, he was real. He was a man. He was here on earth. Like, he lived and walk this earth. It's in your history book. So people who need like historical data or science or something to gather, like, yo, he real. You can Google that. Like he was in your social studies book. It's just more so, I guess, the the faith aspect of him dying and then coming back just for you. Everything in your history book ain't real though. <laughs> but that is. That is real, but I just want to preface that real fast because these white people write these history books and I'm, you know, but whatever. For non-believers or new believers who happen to pass through and see this dream, how do you explain what faith is? That's good.
like faith in Jesus or faith in general? Like, how do I explain why I have faith in Jesus? Because, I mean, people could Google the definition for faith. So do you mean, how do I explain why I have faith in Jesus? Oh. Because, I mean, how do I explain what faith is? I would go to Hebrews 11 1 and say, faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things. Uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Um, I, I never describe it like that to new believers. Um, or, or I give them that scripture, but then I guess I more so break it down to layman's terms, I guess. Or I try to speak to like new believers and Christians as if I'm trying to teach it to um, a child or an elementary school student, right? Because that can it can be something like a lot of. Some people who I have encountered where I'm trying to explain faith to them have never even grown up in church, don't even, you know, are, are coming from a different faith or religion. And so when it comes to what is faith and what does that look like, I guess I personally define it as or explain it as like a heart posture. It's just a knowing in my heart based off of a decision that I've made and chose to believe in. So I don't have to believe that I'm black. I can look in the mirror and say, see that I'm black. Like I can look at my mom. I can look at my daddy. Your girl's black. But I don't have to believe that I'm a woman. Again, like this is the way that I was born. I have, I'm a girl. Like, but when it comes to other things, I have to make that decision in my mind and my heart that is real for me. Whether it's based off of a decision or based off of an experience <laughs> or an experience led to the decision. That's how I define what faith is, because I do believe that um, even when they say I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, I accepted acceptance is a decision. Like I had to decide to believe. I had to decide to accept him. I had to decide to confess. Like I had to decide to receive the invitation like so I believe that, of course, God first loved us and he accepted us first. And But at the end of the day, like I had to make the decision that this is what I wanted. And this is um, what I believe in for various reasons. So whether it was based off of me seeing him in my social studies book as a sophomore in high school or if it was because um, I had a personal encounter with him or he showed himself real in my life. She didn't respond again with further clarity, though. I guess I look at that question as more so the why do you have faith? Because, like I said, you can Google what the definition of faith is to explain what faith is. But I guess the non-believer or the new believer is typically looking to see why you have faith. Mm. Um, which is always harder for me to explain on a grandiose platform rather than like a one-on-one -on -one conversation because it is so personal and I know like one of the questions when I was a teenager growing up in a church we had you fellowship every Friday night and we would have bible study once a month and our pastor would lead the bible study and I remember asking one of those bible studies and to this day he brings up that question I was like how do we know that our faith is the right faith because there are multiple faiths like people can believe in Allah people could believe in Buddha or Hinduism or whatever belief system they have. And in their belief, they believe that they are right. So why, when, when it comes to new believers and non-believers, I usually believe that asking the why is your faith correct? Yeah, that's true. So that's what all. What was their answer to that? His answer, child, I don't remember his answer, but I remember him sweating and just picking up the Bible like, whoo. Day, he, he remembers that and I remember asking that and to an extent I still ask that question just because I like have a lot of a lot of I don't have a lot but I have a few Muslim friends and Muslim friends and they are devout like they are they more devoted than a lot of Christian friends I have and I'm like how can I ever tell them that they're wrong yeah I definitely had last year I had a Muslim friend 
who used to be a Christian, so he converted. So that means that dude knew that word. He knew that word, and he knew his word too. And you gotta be, you gotta be ready and prepared. Not to, I don't, I don't do that debating stuff. But when they devout and they know both, like, cause they study, like Muslims study the word, cause they be ready for you to challenge them. Like, not that he was ready to challenge me. He actually was just like trying to enlighten me, and he was just like, yo, if you can show me one scripture you know i will go back like type right. of like he really i can tell like he was really hungry and thirsty and desired to know the truth like he didn't he didn't want to go to heaven and be turned away because he chose the wrong like he literally converted to um muslim or uh islam because he wanted to he thought it was the truth he thought it was the right way and so my only response to him was like, bro, you already know I'm not going to debate the Bible. He was like, no, 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 it's not a debate. It's a discussion. And then I said, well, I know personally, and it's based off of my personal belief system and my personal convictions and my personal relationship, that the reason why I am a Christian unapologetically is because in the Bible where it says like he is the, the life, the truth, and the way. What scripture is that? Um, the way to, the, the way. way. Says that the only way to the Father is through me, or the one that just says I'm the way to truth. Both of them. Same scripture, actually. Huh? I, think it's, I, I said actually it is it is the same um, scripture, it's just two different verses. And I studied this just last month. I really want to say it's in John, but I feel like it's not. It is John 14. I knew. Go on, friend. John 14. We can end with this because I know ooh, we need to pray out. Um so it's John 14, uh, verse number six, and it says, Jesus said to him, no. So basically in verse five, Thomas said, this is the same Thomas that Dana was referred to earlier. Thomas said, um, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he didn't say, I am a way. Like, he said, the. I said, oh. He was very specific in his, in his wording. So I'm going to believe that that is the way that I'm supposed to go. <laughs> All right. So we're going to um, pray out. Sorry, I see people saying that um, they were losing us and the devil is a liar. We, we apologize. We're going to make sure that we definitely pray over the technology moving forward. Faith is the substance of things. Hope for the evidence of things not seen. So I hope that I'm. I hope that like when I get to heaven, Jesus is real. But until until that day come, I'm standing on that. Omg. All right. So I love y'all. We're gonna pray y'all. You wanna lick, close this out, Dana? Sure. Dear God, thank you for your word. Thank you for allowing us to discuss your word, um, find truth in your word, and please have an encounter with everyone who is under the sound of our voices that may be in a time of doubting, speak to their unbelief, speak to their disbelief, build their faith, build their encouragement, whether it be through your Holy Spirit or through, and with the, that resides within them or through the Holy Spirit within the saints. Let someone give them a physical touch that they may feel your love through that touch. Wrap them in your warm embrace that they will know that it's from you and only you. Direct us, guide us, and keep us and protect us, especially in this season. Protect our hearts, minds, spirits, and bodies, and be with us throughout this week until we meet again. In Jesus' name, I pray and for his sake. Amen. Amen. All right. Love y'all. See you guys for another Covenant Conversation next Thursday. I was so thirsty to say Covenant Conversation. Who am I?